0: Hey, welcome back to the podcast. And I know I say this every time, but this is a great episode. And I'm not really sure how to introduce uh, Pastor Amber Kunkel. She's an ordained minister in the Wesleyan Church, and she's currently serving in two different roles. One, as a military chaplain with the Air Force, and she's also the new director for the women holiness no no the wesleyan holiness women clergy conference i'm gonna get that right so we do talk about the conference in this episode but that's towards the end and we talk about jesus being the third way you didn't see coming like sometimes we're praying about things and and we're thinking, well, we could do this or we could do that. And so many times it ends up being this completely different third way we had never thought about that only God could have come up with. So we talk a lot about that. And what about when you have a call, but you don't know, you don't know, you don't feel like you're called to one thing or you know you have a call to ministry or a call to preach, but you can't articulate I have a call to be a lead pastor or a children's pastor or missionary. What do you do with that? And I know that there's a lot of you who are listening who maybe are in that place or you've been in that place. Uh and so we talk we talk about that and navigating it and getting to a place where we're okay with that. Uh, And then also the wilderness, man, we're in a collective wilderness right now in some ways. And so I hope you take encouragement from what we have to say together about the wilderness. I'll give you a little quick summary. It's a good place to be. It doesn't feel like it though, does it? Man, when you're in the wilderness, it feels terrible. (laughs) Nobody wants to be in the wilderness but it always ends up being one of the best things for us. Uh, so, hey, if you're in the wilderness, hang in there a little bit longer. Okay, in the show notes, we mentioned a couple of different books in, the, in this episode, so I put those in the show notes. Also, you can get connected with the conference and This Is Her Story is going to be at the conference. I'm gonna do some live streaming while we're there. It's gonna be great. So I hope you get a chance to go. If you don't get a chance to go, well, at least listen to the podcast, all right? All right, enjoy the episode. We've been trying to tell better stories about women and clergy and the church because we really need to tell better stories Instead of just complaining about it, what if we flood the airwaves with something different? So anyway, welcome to the podcast. I am really excited that you're here. I know we've it's taken a couple of times to get our schedules straightened around and stuff. So I know that you're currently serving as a military chaplain, but I'd like you to start. Can you start before that? Like when did you really begin to sense God calling you to ministry in general to like ordained ministry (laughs) kind of set aside in that way?
1: Yeah. So that was over a decade ago. I was 30 when I received my calling. Like when I had my definitive moment with the Lord, I was in the shower (laughs) of all places. Um, But, you know, God had been he had been doing things with me for several years so i had started doing lots of volunteer work lots of a variety of ministry volunteer work I, the strange part is is i had actually made the jump from working for myself you know having a, my own business um and making pretty good money to just saying okay lord I'll follow you. And I started working at the church that we had been going to, but for only a couple of months. Um, But God was sneaky like that. You know, he kind of, he started, he started my heart going in a certain direction. And then he said, make this leap. And so I started working for the church, but that was a children's ministry production. So I had a television production background and that's, I was like, oh, children, you know, it's scripts and, you know, making Sunday fun for kids. And I had a kid. So I'm like, okay, this that's awesome! I would love to do that. Paycheck didn't matter, you know. I was like, "That sounds amazing. Let's do that." And I had been working there for a couple of months, and God had started speaking to me, and I was saying things like, "I feel like I'm supposed to do this all of my life." You know, I feel like God is saying something to me, and I had no, cl- I had no clue what a calling was, at least in that sense, to be called by the Lord. Into ministry, I had no idea. I was saved at seventeen, grew up some in the church, um, but I was—it was never on my radar to be a pastor. It was never on my radar to work in ministry. That was something that it took me months to for the light bulb to go off and to have that definitive moment in the shower because I was following him, but I was really trying to discern what is this thing that you're saying to me. Right. <laughs> so it. It, it, took me, it took me a little bit to kind of get it, but ooh, that, I had that definitive moment, and it was after that I was talking to a lady who was on staff, and it was her position on staff at the church to help women like myself or even you know, men who were discerning that call in the ministry to say, okay, what now? What do you do now? Mm-hmm. And there was an elder board, you know, that you meet with and they say, okay, yep, you were, that is a God calling and now you go get educated. <laughs> so then I went and got educated. <laughs> so seminary. Okay. Yeah. And so where did you, where'd you go to seminary then? So I went to Indiana Wesleyan Seminary. So uh, yeah, Wesley Seminary, which I loved. It was, yeah. it was one of those programs where you work full-time in ministry, but you also do essentially full-time student stuff. And it, the mix in the class was that what you learned, you would apply to your ministry. So you would make ministry Mm -hmm. plans. And it was really beneficial for me because I was working in a, in a large mega church. So there was a lot going on a lot for me Mm -hmm. to be able to assess and lots of different people for me to ask everything from, you know, our CFO to, uh, you know our spiritual formation to our creative, you know, arts department that was, you know, making some Sunday service, you know, stage stuff happen. So, it was quite the the playground, so to speak, for me to learn about ministry and a variety of aspects.
0: Okay, now that's interesting because you didn't. You said you didn't really grow up in the church for the most so- part.
1: Every now and then and we, we were, were Christmas yeah. and Easter type people, just to be honest.
0: Okay, I guess so I'm curious what made you choose. Indiana Wesleyan or Wesley Seminary? So I'm a Wesleyan. So the church that I was working
1: at was a Wesleyan church. And that was, I think, I believe Wesley Seminary is the only seminary that the Wesleyan denomination has. So there was the pastoral discount that I got. right, And plus knowing I had known some of the staff, because um, they would come visit our church. And it just seemed, seemed like a great fit. And I got... Yeah. I got all the educational, you know, check boxes checked if I went to Wesley Seminary. So that was kind of a no-brainer.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And I get that. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you're trying to meet not just the educational, but if you're also trying to meet ordination credentials, then it's just yes. Yeah. One by your denomination. Yes. So I, yeah, I was just curious because I was not raised in the church either, but my church background was Catholic. So like where you get educated was like, now what do I do? Because... Yeah. I, I, I remember early on having this conversation with, cause my, my husband's oldest brother also is ordained and he, he got his call later on. Cause all of our, we're all adult converts anyway. And I just remember having that conversation of, okay, so why did you go over, why did you pick Asbury hmm. theological seminary over, you know, whatever, right. you know, Fuller seminary or one of these other right. ones. Um, and, and so we all have our reasons, right? Yeah. And it's all, it's, sometimes it's theological, sometimes it's denominational, sometimes it's, What's closest yeah. and most affordable, right? Um, yes, so, exactly, so it's that's interesting that you the church you were in was Wesleyan, so obviously that makes sense, and so you got ordained in the Wesleyan church then yes, ma'am. I did, yeah, when I went to to the elder board again
1: i I didn't even know there was a process. I'm like, uh, God's calling me to be a pastor, I'm still trying to figure out what does that even mean, and they led me down that process. I, I didn't, I didn't even realize when I applied for seminary that eventually that ordination was waiting for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I was really, I was really following. I was just like, I'm, I'm just following God, you know, whatever he would like for me to do. But again, it was probably best. Like God, you know, God knows our personality. He, he knows what's best for us. And it was probably, it would have overwhelmed me. And I probably would have Done a little bit of Jonah type stuff and like gone and hid out somewhere and been like I don't know about all this I don't know if this is for me you know it I needed that slow progression and then that definitive moment of like go I said go you know like right had I known the full thing of ordination and all this stuff because I didn't even know what it, I didn't even know what it meant but I needed years in seminary and experience of working for a church and around you know or, ordained individuals to be able to understand what it meant to go and. you know, commit and submit your life to, to the church.
0: Right. Sometimes I would love just God to give us the whole, you know, give us the whole plan up front, but it is true. I, you know, same thing in those early days, just trust me with this next thing, you know, just trust me with this next thing. Like, like you had to build up your trust muscles before you're able to, before you get to that point where you're like, Oh wait, I'm going to be ordained, you know? You know, so you're asking like, what
1: do I do in ministry now? I mean, so I worked in that church almost a decade and then I left because God was like, You have to go. Like you, you need to leave. And so I'm leaving everything I had known and wondering what what is next, you know, what do you want me to do? I'm supposed to do this whole thing calling thing, and like, you want me to not be there anymore? What does that what does that mean? And then I found through a friend sharing something on Facebook about uh, Wesleyan Holiness Women Clergy, the conference. And then I met another friend who said, oh, you should go to this conference. In fact, they're looking for a director. I think you'd be great at that. And I'm like, oh, well, that would be interesting. Let me see. And I was like, okay, I think, that, I think this is it. I can." It was enough of a position for me to say, I can do, I'm really going to need God, which I think is usually the combination. You know, if you step into something that's just completely easy for you, you know, where where do we need him, right? Um, and it was actually when I was at the 2020 Wesleyan Holiness Women Clergy Conference where I met the Air Force recruiter. So I did not join the Air oh. Force until I was, I'm, I'm 40, and I just joined last year. So I was 30 when I received my calling. I'm 40 when I started an Air Force chaplaincy. You know, I mean, again, I had no plans of ever being in the military. I had no plans. Uh, I didn't even... Kind of knew what a chaplain was a little bit, but I really fully didn't. I, I didn't know. I had an idea, but really didn't know. And so, yeah, here I am. You know, eleven years later, I'm ordained. I have reverend as you know, a checkbox. I've got, I've done seminary. Um, I'm an Air Force chaplain. I'm a conference director. yeah, you just, you never know what God's going to do. And like all these plethora of things. I'm helping somebody write a book, another female author, I'm helping her write a book, which I never saw coming again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a journalism background. So all the stuff that I had done in my background, because I, you know, when I went to start seminary, none of my journalism classes, nothing that I had done previously in my undergrad and master's, none of that counted. Like no class, I got credit for nothing. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, you know, hopefully God uses that. And he did. So my journalism research background came in really handy with writing stuff. Um, so yeah, I have like a plethora of things that I do now, which I never would have thought. Cause even though I didn't grow up in the church, I think being around sometimes in the church, I got, I started wondering, I started noticing a lot of people say stuff like, oh, I'm called to student ministry. Or I'm called specifically for senior pastor. I'm called specifically for this. And I kept remembering, I, I struggled for years thinking, I would really like to know what am I specifically called to? Because I thought that you had to have that. Like, are oh, the senior pastor at the church I used to be at? I mean, he knew I'm going to be a senior pastor, you know. Oh, i I'm, I know I'm going to be a student pastor. I know I'm supposed to be this. And I'm like, that's great that you know that. I really look forward to the day that I get that. (laughs) And it made me kind of feel lost a little bit in my calling for a good handful of years. It did because I thought, well, how do you get that? How do you know that? You know, and people would ask, you know, whenever I would, because I worked at that church for 10 years and they would ask you, what do you, you know, what do you feel like God wants you to do? And I'm like, all he told me was to be a pastor and to talk to people. those three words, talk to people, which you do everything. everything you do in ministry is about talking to people, like right? what we're doing right now, right? That's right? what you, you do that. We all as pastors and ministers, yep. that's what we do. We talk to people. And I just felt I knew I was called, but i was I was honestly slightly jealous of those who knew I'm supposed to do this. And then, as I got more and more, I guess I would say, submitting more of like my heart to God and my calling to the Lord I realized you know he created me and he knows it's it would be like me to not want to be this one thing and that's when I realized oh you didn't place me to just do one thing and there's nothing wrong And there's everything beautiful for those who are called to be a senior pastor of a church for 30, 50 years, whatever, you know, and pass the torch to the next generation. That's beautiful. But there's also something really, really amazing and beautiful when God knows our personalities and says, you will experience a plethora of things in ministry. You know, you can write for the gospel, you know, you can write and tell people about the gospel, you can go and, you know, pastorally counsel one-on-one and help somebody. Um, you can lead a, you know, do a conference director position and, and empower God's women to go and lead in his church. And I was like, oh, you know me so well, dad, you know, I don't want to be, I don't, it would, you know, some people love that one position, but I would probably feel stuck. Yeah. And he knew that he knew that I would I would want a variety, I would love the adventure of where are we going next, who are we going to meet, what are we going to do, you know, and then when, and I realized that, especially with the Air Force chaplaincy, Mm I was like, I never saw that one coming, and who goes and joins the Air Force at 40, you know, (laughs) like, who does that, and I thought, well, God, God would have somebody do that, because he, he needs women to lead in that area, in in ministry, and he would ask me to do that because mm-hmm. I might be a little nervous about that based on my age, but that's not going to stop me because it yeah. seems like an adventure and it seems fun. It seems scary, but it seems fun.
0: Yeah, I to- I totally resonate with that idea of um, not being necessarily called to one specific thing. You know, I, like when God was calling me, I knew. I knew that there was this call in my life to preach, you know, or to speak. Um, but what that looked like, I wasn't sure. And so I started out same thing in, in an assist, assistant ministry role, associate pastor type role, uh, and then eventually planted a church. And of course now I'm doing pod, the podcast and some other things. So, you know, and I see after 2020 that there's new things coming and stuff like that. So, I love that. We, you know, we, we always want to keep our hearts open, you know, like Peter, you know, when he's sitting there praying and the Lord's like, Hey, go preach to the Gentiles. And he's like, no way. You know, uh, yeah. like, I, like you know, I didn't see that coming, which, how did you not see that coming? Peter, <laughs> did you not watch what Jesus saying? <laughs> but maybe he just thought it would be somebody else. I don't know. But, you know, which is true, right? We all think it's going to be somebody else who's going to be called to be the military chaplain or start the podcast or write the book or yeah. plan church. Yeah. Can you talk about, if you talk a little bit about this leaving, because um, you you left your assignment before you had something new, like you didn't really know what God was calling you to next. Yeah. Um, And so I, well, I don't know how much you can share, or if you, at least if you can share maybe the internal process, like what was God saying to you? And, and here's the reason I'm saying this because I've heard a lot of pastors say, well, God never calls, God never calls you to leave before he shows you the next door that's open, which I'm like, you've read Abraham, right? (laughs) Like,
1: anyway, have you, have you read scripture? Are you kidding me? (laughs) I don't like that's not true. Paul, who goes that, like that's forth. not yeah yeah right right yeah Paul had no clue what was coming. I mean, he might have he knew it was Jesus who had clearly spoken to him, but yeah, where did Paul go? He was like, um, "I'm going to go to the wilderness. I need to. I need to work this out. I need to figure this out. I got to figure out where does he want me to go and what does he want me to do." Yeah, so that's a really great question, and you know, I, I always like if I've ever heard a podcast or anybody talking about you know their time when people are most honest so i am going to be i'm going to be honest and honoring <laughs> right you know at the same time so that that church was going through a um a reorganization there were lots of changes that were being made and my position was being eliminated and so i had the opportunity to leave um if i chose to and, and have severance for several months so you know we always and, and i had felt like is God, you know, is He wanting me to stay here, you know, for months before this? I was like, is He wanting me to stay here and like take on more leadership and more risk, or is He wanting me to risk things and leave? And then when that opportunity came up, I was like, okay, I know exactly what He wants me to do. And actually, that season was really hard because when He said, "I, I, I want you to, you have to leave, you have to go from here," He meant like my family would no longer attend there, mm-hmm. and that was. Ooh, man, that one was hard enough. That was harder than me leaving staff. My, my, my youngest daughter um, had been dedicated there. My oldest daughter had been saved and baptized there. You know, just so much life had happened there. Um, you know, that's where I got my calling and I'm like, you want me to just up and leave what everything I had known and just follow you into the unknown, so to speak. Um, And that's exactly what he wanted me to do. And it was really scary. And lots of tears. Because there were some great people. There were some things I had to lessons I had to learn um, about loving the church, even though there's pain and hurt, you know, because I mean, as ministers, you know, to have, I believe having Christ's heart means that we love the church, you know, even when the church may have hurt us. Cause that, that does happen. Yeah. <laughs> I know that can be difficult to talk about, but you know, there are, there are amazing people, but it's still church. Like there's st- it's still people, you know, there can be hurt there. And there was some hurt there for me, but I had to trust God, you know, I mean, he was asking, he said, you have to go. So I left and had my severance package, which was really nice <laughs> and took months, months, and I decided I'm not going to do a resume. I'm not going to go looking for anything. I am going to take, I will say, you know, notice something I've realized in my calling with the Lord is that we always think it's got to be this way or it's got to be that way. You know, I thought, am I supposed to stay here or am I supposed to risk it all? And God's like, well, what if there's a third way? What if you, what if I opened a door where you didn't have to quit? Nobody had to fire you. You didn't have to quit severance. And you're like, what if there's a third way where you get to leave by a kind open door and, and, and get paid, <laughs> you know, like I, it was, it was him, you know, it was literally him opening that third way, you know, sometimes like, well, is it, is, you know, well, is Christ dead or is he alive? Well, what if he's resurrected? You know, it's that third option that we just don't really think of mm-hmm. sometimes that I think when we allow God to, to work His way, he's he is he is that other option. He's the only option, but he's he's the option you don't see coming. You know, that you're just like, what? Well, what if instead of my way or the world's way, what if I did it God's way? You know, where there is that third door for me to walk through, where he's I get to walk through that door and and I'll get paid for it (laughs) and get time just to and have grilled cheese sandwiches for breakfast because. I can, <laughs> you know, I couldn't do that before. Cause I was rushing out the door and I got, I got that. And I needed that really bad. Cause after 10 years in ministry of working really hard and, mm-hmm. um, I just needed some, I needed that time and the Lord need, no, obviously knew that. Um, but I really needed that time and I took it, I took it for all it was possibly worth. And, um, then I just said, you know what? When I feel like God says, do a resume, I'll do a resume. It wasn't until the WHWC thing came up for me where it was, okay, you know, make a resume and, and throw it out there and I never looked for a position. I knew that God had it. Cause he had told me, I, I have you like when he said, do the resume for a WHWC, I did it. And I never filled out anything. I never went looking. Yeah. And that was a lot of trust because I am a go getter you know, early and again, I, like I said, I struggled really, really bad in, in, in my first couple of years in ministry of thinking position was, you know, was, my, was my identity. And right. when you don't have that and God can allow you to say, right, right. You know, you probably, you know, any of us who've been in ministry for a while, we realize it is not about position. Oh my gosh. Like, thanks Satan for, you know, you, you had me there for a while on that. But eventually God <laughs> te- You know, shows us like it is not the position you have is that you are his and that you are called and, and it doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter how much you get paid. It doesn't matter where you're at. Small church, big church, conference director, this, that, you know, like, isn't just doing his work
0: enough for us? Right. To me, yeah. I had to learn that one. So you were at... Yeah. Yeah. The uh so the Wesleyan holiness and we'll get to the Wesleyan the the conference is coming up in twenty twenty two. So yeah. in twenty twenty the conference was in March, the weekend that everything locked down. Yes,
1: when the world was like,
0: and everything will change now. Right. And yeah, like, yeah, I just so, find that hilarious. Like couldn't couldn't God have said, hey you should move this up a week. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how could he, could he have just given us a little clue on that, right? Yeah, no, I will say. um, So that was
1: my introduction. I came to that conference to see had never been to the conference before. I'm like, okay, you know, if I'm going to be the conference director for this, you know, conference in this ministry, you know, how deep do we go? How wide do we go? Like, what are we like? And I came there to experience that. And I got to see, some really powerhouse women adjust and shift and move things through. I mean, a con- you know, a pandemic just crashed and boom and hit the world right as the conference started. And yet, other than being socially distant and a lot of uh, hand sanitizer around and a couple of changes, you would have never known it because God still moved. He still he still had a plan of, for those who come here, I still have a plan. And it was in the middle of the hall where I met a recruiter and he looked at me and said, I'm going to recruit you. So, you know, I mean, God still had many a plans for many a women in the midst of a pandemic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was crazy. I mean, the leadership team of that conference, even when they were walking around, you would have never, you just saw, you know, it's like the I mean it just showed like you you hand a pandemic to a woman and a woman's like I got it I, I know exactly what we need to do. Right. <laughs> you know, and they figured it out. <laughs> Ooh. Oh,
0: that's funny. I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagrams, but I'm an Enneagram six, which we're all about safety. So I'm like, oh, this is my time. This is my time. <laughs> this one's for me. I yeah. I know how to do this. <laughs> I've been preparing my whole life yeah. for a pandemic. So yeah. yeah. Um, you are like the scenarios
1: that I can play out and think through.
0: Right. Yeah. Like I got this. Okay. I'm sorry. It's probably there's, my internet connection. There's there's storms here in Michigan, and I'm I'm guessing there's storms by you too, right? probably No. No. It could just be my internet.
1: Okay. <laughs> just gonna say it was interesting to you know when you you come off of a conference that happened right as a pand- pandemic you know struck the world, and then you're suddenly the conference director, and you're like but we're an in-person conference and I'm now the conference director and we're supposed to meet in 2022 and it's almost 2021 and the world, people still have no idea what the world's going to look like. And I had to allow that team to breathe and take a deep breath because they had just experienced the chaos of the COVID chaos conference. And, and I knew in faith, I was like, the Lord wants us to go to Grapevine, Texas in 2022. He has something for us. It will be in person. And they were all like, "Uh, are you sure? Like, okay. I mean, they were very trusting of me. The board was very kind and trusting of me, but I'm like, I'm just going to keep pressing ahead of 2022. And just knowing, I don't know what the world's going to look like. I have no idea what's going to happen, but like, that's what God said. So that's just what we're going to move to. And, you know, here we are back, you know, the vaccine
0: is out. So I'm like, okay, I think. Think we're gonna be good. I think we're gonna be, <laughs> be good. I'm excited about it. I've never been and I'm and I'm going as a exhibitor for the first so my first time going, I'm going as an exhibitor. I do want to talk before we get more into that. I think I want to go back real quick just to the chaplain thing. I like, I'm excited about yeah. the conference part, but you join obviously you joined you said you joined the military when you were 40. So did they have like training? Did they train you as a chaplain? Like here's what you need to do as a chaplain.
1: Yeah. So the great thing about the military is that there's always continued um, uh, training and education for no matter what your role is. So because I entered into the military as an officer, I first had to make it through uh, officer training school, which was eight and a half weeks. A lot of people are like, oh, are you going to basic training? And I'm like, no, I get to go to something that's harder. (laughs) It's called officer training (laughs) because the basic training is about followership which I, I love the military because I'm like, oh man, you know, there, the, there's followership and then there's leadership, which right. we as Christians understand, you know, those both, you know, our followership equates to our leadership, right? You know, right. so I didn't have to go through basic. I had to go through what's harder, <laughs> which is the officer training where you go to learn leadership, which that was really, really hard because, you know, again, I'm 40 and there are people who are like 27 and can run really, really fast and do a lot more than I can physically, at least I thought, but I'm like, I kept up pretty good. Okay. I was like, like, okay, it's not that bad. I'm not that bad. I was the old lady of the group by far, but whatever. Um, I knew that was going to happen going in. So I, I had to do the officer training. And then they have specific training called basic chaplain course. So that is a four week course. And you, again, you go away and, you know, you're gone for like four weeks and you're very focused on what does it mean? And what are the variety of ways that a chaplain serves in the military? Because a chaplain role is very important. So when you're looking at the structure of, for let's just say a base, um, if, you know, you've got your commander up here, or you might have several um, wings within a, an actual base. But let's just say, you know, you've got your commander here at the top. Well, the right hand man off right to the right and on an organizational chart is the chaplain, because the chaplain is the people person, right? I mean, that makes sense We're, the, we're chaplains, we're ministers, you know. So the Air Force said, has a saying that they are mission first, but people always. The people in the Air Force are always focused on the mission. The mission comes first, but they really care about their people. You know, how are you doing? How's your family doing? So I, as a chaplain, you know, you're constantly trained at a deeper level of how to serve your wing, how to serve your commander, um, how to serve your people. You know, I mean, I might have somebody who's a part of a wing and it's a gentleman who has a 13-year-old daughter and his 13-year-old daughter can come into my office and talk to me about the struggles that she's having because chaplains don't just serve Mm -hmm. the airmen and airwomen of the air force. We actually can serve the family. So you could have a whole family come in. So, yeah, I I love that because it's, you know, it's, it's very similar to church. You know, we're not just there for that one specific individual there. We're there for the family, the commander, the chaplain being the right hand, you know woman right hand man kind of thing imagine you've got like your king and your prophet you know you've got your king who makes the decisions and then you've got your prophet who's like hey i see this going on with the people i think the people could really use this you know you've got them making those adjustments to how to care for the people
0: that's a great illustration too cuz you can see that you know david and nathan and you know saul and samuel and so yeah yeah you can see that yeah
1: it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see how how respected and how well um trained that chaplain role is like the military greatly cares about the spiritual well-being
0: of those who serve yeah yeah so now your reserves your air force reserves and so you just got back from your being deployed for two and a half months can you say where you were I don't know if you can. I was at, I was at my base. So Oh, you have to be. Okay. Yeah,
1: so even as a reserve, um you are still attached to a base. And and my base is actually Maxwell Air Force Base, which is in Alabama. So it's called
0: Air University. Oh, yeah. So you're right by my dad. My dad's down there. He's just outside of Dothan. Oh, Alabama. oh, yeah. Yeah, he's not yeah. far at all. My brother-in-law is uh Air National Guard reserves. Okay. Um so sometimes he'll, he he gets up. He's been Uzbekistan, Germany, stuff like that. So he, sometimes you can't tell us till he comes back where he's been. So I not oh, do that. Yeah. Or not. I mean, I'm sure maybe maybe one day I'll you know get to do something like yeah, that. right. <laughs> no, I was I was at my base. Well, so you're on the base for two and a half months then, right? And so you don't come well, you don't come home then because you're deployed.
1: In normal circumstance, like my family would have been able to come and see me, or I would have been able to, you know, go you know, hang out with them on the weekends or something, but because of COVID people coming in and out just wasn't, wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Not happening. I mean, I don't know if it's changed now, but at that point they weren't allowing
0: that. Yeah. So what do you do when you are deployed? So what, what does that look like? I mean, what do you have a normal kind of day or, I mean, any pastor can have a normal day, right?
1: Yeah. Chaplains um, typically when they're deployed, you might have some projects that you're specifically going to work on because if they know, like, hey, you know, this is your, you know, you're strong in doing, then we'll we'll put you on doing these projects. But mostly, chaplains, you know, lead services. You are at the service of the people who are there on base, getting to know them. Um, some of what I would focus on is is getting to know the people on my base so that people feel comfortable. Again, if I if I was there and I my family couldn't come see me. Then there are there are those who also were experiencing the same thing, or who might be away from their family because their family hasn't, um, you know, to the new base yet, or something like that. Again, I'm a younger chaplain, so because I am that younger chaplain, there's still things that I'm I'm learning to be able to do. And as you as you get more, you know, trained, et cetera, et cetera, there are things that you just get to do more of. But yeah, leading services, uh, getting to know the people. Uh, doing projects, you know, all kinds of, you know, community projects um, for the base, at least. Amazingly, I will say a lot of, a lot of what chaplains do is, is advise leadership, it's going to get to know the people and see what's going on with the people and the team. So doing uh, team culture, workshops so that, you know, I mean, teams work better together or doing a personality workshop. So people can come in and get to know who they are and how they work best and, you know, pros and cons of each personality type. And so there's all kinds of things that can feed into spiritual life, you know, getting to know oneself or whether it's a Bible study or again, an Enneagram workshop, stuff like that. And then you take all that information, you get to know all the people and then you advise leadership on like, hey, you know, the people are really liking to do these types of things, or this team. I see a need for this in this team right now. Some conflict resolution, you know, there's if it where there's people, there's always conflict. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> and that's the truth. <laughs> we we started talking about the conference and that's coming up. It's less than a year away now. Yeah, nine months. Nine, nine, nine months, months, nine months. Left. So very exciting. And you've got some, we've got some great keynote speakers. Yes. um, Yes. How lucky
1: are we? Yeah. We, we actually nailed down um, Katie Cole and Joe Saxton as our keynote speakers. And that was done back in 2020. So as I kept telling the board, I'm like, I'm telling you, like the Lord is making a way, (laughs) like we're getting great, you know, keynote speakers who were like, yeah, I'll come things were working out. And I mean, and those are both some really great, women who are good at coaching, who've both been in ministry for a really long time. Katie Cole uh, had worked at um, a mega church. She was actually, I believe the associate pastor there, you know, when it comes to staff and, and culture stuff and team, and she actually wrote a book called Developing Female Leaders. I don't know if you've ever read it. That book was actually geared towards men who work in the church to see what are the ways that, You think, you know, your heart wants to help, you know, make a way for women, but what are some of the things that you could possibly be doing that you think are helping that, that are actually not beneficial? And here are the things that you can do that are beneficial to make a way because she's done the research. She knows like there, there are people in many denominations out there who want to make a way because they recognize when we get women in leadership you don't lose. You can only win because you have a different perspective, a different kind of mind. It opens the door for the church to be able to do so much more. And she, she saw that. And so she created a book and then a bunch of women read it and were like, oh my gosh, now I know what not, what positions not to take or what might, I might even think looks like help for me, but it's actually not helpful. So yeah, she's written, um, she just came out with another book. Uh, Joe Saxton. I mean, these are, these are some great people that we're going to learn a lot from. They're both doing two sessions. You know, sometimes the keynote speaker does uh, one session, but Joe Saxton will be doing two uh, main sessions and Katie Cole will be doing two as well. So,
0: oh, that's, that's so good. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I've got her, I've got Katie's new one, finding your leadership or find your leadership voice in 90 days. And I'm actually taking a group of ladies through that series. Oh my Um, gosh. So we're doing this 90 day challenge in a Facebook group. So we'll, we're doing zoom. We're doing a zoom call every other week. And then I just show up and do a live in there. And so I've got, you should like,
1: you should private message her and let her know that. Cause that's let it like, let her know how, it you know, how's it going halfway through and stuff. Cause she, uh, she loves to know that kind of stuff.
0: All right. Yeah. I will, I will, I will let her know that we've, yeah. Cause I think we have about eight women who are in there and in the group and really engaged. And then we have, and I have you know, another eight to 10 who are kind of doing it at their own pace, but they're still in the group. I'm excited to hear her speak after going through that story, but uh, or after going through this book and then, I mean, I've loved Jo Saxton for years. She's just fabulous. Yeah. They're both very authentic. Katie, I
1: will say Katie is, a, she has, it is an energy, a ball of energy. So just get like I'm always like, I can't keep up with everything that you're saying. <laughs> I can't write fast enough for everything that you're saying. <laughs> Cause what she says is just good. Like the way, the way that she even words things you're like, man, that is a great way to explain exactly what I've been thinking.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've gone back and reread several of the days in this new one, but I do want to, you know, after I finish this one, I'm like, I want to go and read her that first one, developing women leaders. Cause I'm sure there's some great stuff in there. And um, probably some stuff in there like yes you're right does that work
1: yes yes
0: (laughs) so you are the director there what does what does that kind of look like like what's your your roles and responsibilities as the director
1: so we have we have some staff and we also have volunteers we actually have volunteers on our communications team with which um help with ideation for our social media um and we have volunteers on our planning side so we we have women from the four denominations that that make up our current um board for whwc so the wesleyan church the nazarenes the free methodist and the church of god anderson so we take a volunteer from each four, one of those four denominations and we place them on our planning team because those are women who are leading within that denomination and they know who are, your, who are the voices and who are the people, whether it's workshop speakers, um, keynote, you know, keynotes or even in session speakers, who are the women who are doing a great job at empowering and equipping those in the church right now that we should invite. Um, so we use those people who are pretty influential in their denomination and we have them on our team to, to pull out, you know, who are the powerhouses? You know, who do we need to hear from? Um, whether that's social, somebody who's, you know, operating social media for a, a larger organization or for the denomination, because social media is a big deal, you know? I mean, there are a lot of things to be learned about social media. So, or preaching, you know, who do we need to hear from that's really good at pouring into ministers, you know, because there's, mm-hmm. there's leaders and then there's the leaders' leaders. You know, who are the ones who are equipping leaders? Because that's our job, right? You know, as as WHWC, we take the women who feel called to ministry, the women who are currently in ministry or the women who have been doing ministry for 40 years. And we bring you in and we just feed you full of what we know is true about what God calls women to do. And we just want to sharpen you and just send you back out for another two years. So WHWC meets every two years, because being a minister is difficult. You know, I mean, it, it's not an easy thing. And when you can get a group of women together who understand what is it really like to be a minister as a female though? Yeah. That, you know, I mean, the men do the same thing and rightfully so they have their own challenges, you know, and the women, we have ours and we'll have a, we actually have a men's panel because we value the male voice very much, so so we'll have a man, um, a men's leadership panel there, so we can hear from them and we can ask them questions as a whole group. When you get a group of women together who are all, you know, in the church, or even just trying to figure out your calling, you know, I mean, I wish I did not hear about WHWC until 2020. Mm. Oh, no, I'm sorry, late 2019. I heard about WHWC in late 2019. And, and the Western denomination has been a part of WHWC since it began almost 30 years ago. Right. And I could not believe when I looked into who they were, and especially after I attended the conference, I remember thinking, where have you all been? I've needed you. You know, I needed to hear women tell me and whether it's tell me something I never knew about women serving in ministry or, or remind me. Because sometimes you're just sitting there and you're like, wow, I really needed to hear that. I didn't even know I needed to hear that, you know, just to be reminded of that God, one, he does call women. Because I think sometimes we can get lost in maybe, you know, what the world is saying or just some pressure, you know, and we just need to be around a bunch of other people who just go, no girl, he does and, and keep going. You know, even if, even if you're, you don't have it all figured out yet, keep going because he's got it figured out. You just, if you follow him, he will open a door. He will lead you there. Yeah. I mean, I just like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known you all were here like 10 years ago. Right. So somebody, so you know, somebody could have told me, you don't have to have a specific, you know, oh, student ministry type calling. You can, you have all of ministry for him to do whatever he wants with you. I, I learned don't box God in. You know, because I mean, have you? If we read scripture, he, you you can't box him in. You know, I mean, in our minds, you know, I think sometimes that's what Satan wants us to do. We want us we want to think that God can only operate in a certain way, and yet, you know, it takes all kinds, all throughout the world and a variety of places, and and positions for 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 Him to do His work. I I, w- I want women to come and go. I don't know where He's leading me, but I'm just going to follow Him. Yep. Part of what we're doing for 2022 is our focus is her story. We're looking back at some of the women that God has used in the last couple hundred years. We're taking a look at her story, the story of women in ministry, because sometimes when you look back and you go, whoa, God did that through her and she had all those struggles or maybe she had all those insecurities or she had all those setbacks. You know, sometimes what we view as a setback is actually a setup, right? It's God setting up the next thing. Like some people would probably look at what happened to me when I left that church and go, Ooh, that's a setback. What are you going to do next? And I'm like, it's not, what am I going to do next? It's what he's going to do next. I'm just following him. You know, so we're taking a look back and saying, what are these crazy out of the box ways that God has used women in ministry and say, well, if he can do that with her, then what can he do with me? Yeah, You know, I mean, I I would love for women, even if they, even if they leave and they, they're like, I still don't know what he has for me, (laughs) but I am not quitting. You know, like I'm going to be resilient in my leadership because I know he's called me and I'm just going to abide in Christ. I'm going to abide in him. If I do that, the light will lead the way, you know, or just even be in awe of God. So the third option. Like if, well, I thought, you know, it's either going to be this way or this way. And God's like, what about this? And you're like, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> you know, I mean, and you never know. I mean, the Air, the Air Force recruiter might be there again. And somebody who comes might might also be called to be an Air Force chaplain. Somebody might be called into the mission field. You just never know. But mm-hmm. I, I really hope that women, they come and they receive and one of our the planning team members had spoken a word in, in a prayer at one point, and she and and I remember all of us really agreeing that that's it. A lot of women will probably come feeling this. And it was that verse in Joel where it says, "God, um, give back the years that the locust took." Mm. You know where will he redeem the things that some of us feel like? Did we lose in the pandemic?" And and just being, just even having that feeling of hope again, that there's something, there is something he has for me. There's something that's waiting for me and I might not need to know what it is, but I know the one who's leading me there. And that's, that's all I, that's, that's all I need.
0: Yeah. I love that verse. Uh, you will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Yes. Ironically yeah. in the year of the cicadas. <laughs>
1: I know. Uh, Yeah. Well, he said that in like early to 2020, you know, I mean, I was, and we all just felt that like, yes, women will probably come feeling, when will I get back what the locals took? Yeah. And God promises, I mean, he promises us in scripture that he will reward us. He will give those things, you know, he will, he will redeem all of that.
0: That's good stuff. I mean, I know that verse, but I guess I even I needed to be reminded of that verse of he will redeem. Yeah, yeah. we lost so much in 2020. Personally, my you know, my family lost so much um mm. and uh we're we're slowly beginning to see him redeem some of that stuff. Like afraid to hope for it, you know, cuz like it's not like we don't it's not tangible yet. Like we see it on the horizon and so but you know, hanging on to that verse of he will redeem it. Whether he redeems it in this way or restores it in another way, he'll redeem it somehow. So he does, he does redeem all things in his own time, which is usually not fast enough for us.
1: Never. It never is. It never is. He's always right on time, but you know, we're human. We get, we get so frustrated and if we don't get it. So, you know, even if it's like a week goes by or a month and we're like, seriously, when are you going to come through? you know, it can be, it can be frustrating. If you're, you're a six, I'm an eight. So I definitely (laughs) patience. Yeah. You know, the, the patience is a fruit of the spirit. That is one of the things that like, that is the fruit that God still remains to develop in me. Patience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. All right. So how can people find out about the conference and sign up for it?
1: Yes. Okay. So you can go to womenclergyconference.com, very simple, womenclergyconference.com and register. Register for the conference. And then when you register for the conference, actually right now is early bird and you can save over a hundred dollars if you register for the conference now. Um it's early bird uh registration and you can reserve your room. And I highly recommend that you reserve your room now. It doesn't cost you anything to reserve your room, and you have nine months to decide if you want a roommate, if you want one roommate, if you want four roommates, you can have four roommates if you want, if that's your thing. And you're like, hey, I want to make it a fun girls trip and load up all my favorite girl, gal pals. And we're going to load into the car or we're going to take a flight and we're all going to room together because it's a conference. You know, you're not in the room very much anyway. Every room has plenty of coffee makers. There is a Starbucks in the building. That's a good thing. <laughs> but yeah, you can register now and reserve your room. Reserving your room costs you nothing. If you do fly, I will say, um, if you stay on site with us, which I highly recommend, you do get access to the airport shuttle. So you don't. there's no Uber cost from the airport to the hotel or from the hotel back to the airport. You get a free breakfast uh, leadership panel, which will have Katie Cole and some other you know, amazing women that we're going to want to hear from, um, and there's some other pluses and stuff, VIP type things that you'll get, yeah, go on our website, womenclergyconference.com, and it'll give you, you know, we have a plethora of FAQs, like, look through those, because I'm hoping we we asked every question that you might have.
0: Yeah, um, I, I did tell someone, I'm like, it's at the embassy suites, or like, I, I've never been at the embassy suites, I'm like, trust me, <laughs> you won't be disappointed.
1: Yes, yes, it's beautiful, it is, you know, sometimes when you go to a conference, it's, it's usually like you come out and you forget that it was even daylight. You know, you're like, what day is it? Yeah. They have a huge atrium. You'll see daylight. You know, and sometimes when you go to a conference, you, you're like, oh, well, I was in this really cool place called Get- Grapevine, Texas, but I never even got to experience that. We've actually built it into the conference. They're going to take those big coach buses and they're going to take all of us from the embassy, which is only a mile down the road, but you're at a conference like nobody really wants to walk a mile. And they're going to I know it's just a mile down the road, but still, we're like, let's just give you the royal treatment. We're going to take you on a coach bus and we're going to take you down to downtown Grape, Grapevine where you could actually walk and shop. So you don't have to get, you know, your kids, one of those things at the airport, you know, because you're like, ah, oh, I, I said i get my kids something like. You'll have several hours that are built into conference time to hang out in Grapevine, experience the city you won't feel like you're in a basement. Like it's a, it's a beautiful wide open space. Um, I mean, if God, if God has made a way thus far and he keeps doing it, then by all means, come and join us. Cause I'm like, I don't know what he has for you, but he's got something.
0: It's going to be great. I'm excited for it. Yeah. I'm really excited that you're going to be there by the way. Yeah, so I keep trying to tell, remind everybody the podcast is going to be there. So come and say hello. And my son is helping me put together some kind of a whatever portable podcast set. Wow. So uh, I'm going to do a little bit of live podcasting there through Podbean uh, while we're there. So I want people to come by and say hi and whatever, do a shout out. Say you know whatever, hi mom or say, <laughs> whoever you yeah. whoever is back home, you can say hi to. Uh, so we'll do something like that. And yeah, that's cool. So people can come by, tell me who they are, you know, where, where they're serving or how they're serving in ministry. And we'll kind of get a running tab of all the people who are there and what they're doing and how creative everybody is, you know, with their call. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, there are women who are serving in so many different positions. Yeah. That would be, I would love to listen to that one. Cause I'm like, I would love to know that.
0: So, and maybe if we can, Katie and Joe to come by and just pop on and say absolutely hey, yeah we'll send, we'll send them over there yeah <laughs> give them whatever one tip for ministry or something like that yes yeah. so anything else you want to share any words of advice for women um who are wrestling with that call um if you feel like you're in a wilderness just know the wilderness is
1: not a bad place if you look in scripture whether that's Jesus himself, Paul, Elijah, Abraham, um, all of the main leaders that we totally know of, anyone who's ever been actually in a wilderness, God used that to go and prepare them for ministry and send them to go and lead his people and to go and rescue people. So if you feel like you're in a wilderness, you're in a great place to be. Just dig into the word and cry out to Jesus if you need to and beg him to hear his voice and listen for his voice and not our own. I think a lot of people have been in the wilderness and maybe still feel that way. And it's not, it is the perfect place to be because Jesus left immediately. He left the wilderness and he went to ministry to rescue and lead. So that's where he will send you. If that's where you feel like you are at currently.
0: Yeah. That's a good word. Wilderness is not a bad place. We're we're in a collective wilderness right now.
1: And you can know that because Jesus, immediately after he was baptized, he was he was sent into the wilderness, right? This, he was led by the that's what scripture says. He was yep. led by the spirit into the wilderness. And the whole purpose of him going into the wilderness was to defeat the wilderness, so the wilderness would never defeat you. And Isaiah says it very clearly: the wilderness will pour out with joy. What was dry land will now be streams of living water. And that's what he wants to come out of you is streams of living water. So you can go lead others to him and, and nourish, you know, the one who is the water that will never run dry. I have been in the wilderness. I can tell you I have been in two very intense seasons in the wilderness. Very, very intense seasons. One was when I um, one was when I left um, that church previously and one was several years before that. But I can tell you how amazing the wilderness is because I have been there.
0: That's so good. That's so good.